Welcome to 1322 Life. I'm so excited. Let's dive right in. So this week we have Miss Annette and let me tell you, she is just a blessing. I love her story and her testimony um, that she will be sharing with everyone today. I've had the pleasure to get to know her and I mean, it's just a breath of fresh air. So I hope you guys love hearing Miss Annette as much as I have loved learning about her and chatting with her. Uh, so Annette is a health and wellness advocate, coach and motivational speaker who guides individuals and groups to take a proactive and preventative approach to vibrant living through healthy lifestyle choices. Her signature five principles of health workshop is an engaging experience designed to educate, encourage, and support those living with chronic health conditions. She provides actionable strategies to achieve healthier habits with a positive mindset. As a type one diabetic since age two, Annette is a living example of embracing these key principles for enjoying a life of focus, productivity, and purpose. Welcome, Miss Annette. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, wait, that's for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, really, your bio doesn't do you justice because, like, I was reading, I was like, this doesn't even go into the impact, like, that your story truly has. Um, so just share with us, like, you had said in your bio, like, you were a type 1 diabetic diagnosed at age 2, but diabetes was handled a lot differently when you were younger <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yeah if, if I did write a book once telling people all about this but yeah diabetes I wasn't at that time they diagnosed me at was what was known as a juvenile diabetic there were juvenile and they were adult and they were very 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 different in how they were managed and even just even in the description of them but now a type one is someone who is insulin dependent, who has your pancreas just basically isn't working. But back in the dark ages, as I like to call them, of diabetic diabetes, diabetic management wasn't even a term. Doctors mm -hmm. had no clue. And they would tell my mom and me as I was growing up, she's probably going to die young. She probably will never see adulthood. And yeah, uh, we'll see you in a year if you're still around. Take care. <laughs> And they would not give me any kind of tools or resources as to what to do about it because they didn't have the tools or resources. So I say often, I hold no bitterness towards the medical profession at that time because they didn't know. They didn't know what they didn't know. And therefore, they couldn't help me to figure out what to do with myself and how to improve my, my health, basically. And my mom, bless her heart. I, I say to this day, I'm alive because number one, God wanted to keep me around. He has a purpose for me. Number two, the determination of my mother. And number three, my own, mm, what I call uh, spiritedness. <laughs> my, own, <laughs> my own, I'm not going to let this get me down. <laughs> but my mom was just amazing. She would ask the doctor questions and she, she just, she was, continually trying to figure out what to do because it just wasn't the kind of information that she needed to be able to help me not be sick all the time. I was in and out of the hospitals the whole time, near death on several occasions. But my mom, and I asked her once, I said, how in the world did you manage that? She was a single mom. 
said, how did you manage that? How did you not just go off the deep end? And she said, repeatedly, repeatedly, she said, I would hand you over to God and say, God, I don't know what to do here. She's your child. You have to take care of her or take her home so that she's not suffering so much. And when I heard her say that, my heart just broke because I thought, oh my goodness, for a mother to say that about their child, take them home so they won't suffer anymore, if that is what you want. He obviously wanted to keep me around a little bit longer. (laughs) Of course, of course. I mean, but that is just like, Ooh, like that, that really, that really touches my heart because it's like one, just one of the other stories you told me about your mom tells me like her amazing faith, like, you know, her, her amazing walk, but two as a mom, I don't know if I could ask God to take my child. I don't, I don't know if I can like, even like make that option I'll you know, not that it's up to me at all. Right. right. But I would just be going to God, like fix it, Jesus. Like I have to have my baby. Don't you dare take my baby. Like (laughs) for her to just be in a place where she's like truly relinquishing all control to God and saying, not my will, but your will, God. Yep. Take care of my baby, heal my baby, whichever way you see fit whether right. it's here on earth or in heaven with you, um, that is just powerful. That and, is- and this is even more amazing when you hear this. She had wanted a girl uh, ever since she had gotten married and she had five boys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, four. I'm, I added one in there. She had four boys. And every time one of them was born, she's like, is it a girl? And the doctor's like, no, I'm sorry. And then- when I was born, the doctor said, it's a girl. And she's like, I don't believe you. Happy <laughs> <laughs> hysterically, because I'm like, what do you mean? You, you were you were telling, you know, you weren't you wanted a girl and you weren't sure about this. And so yeah, she just always wanted a girl. And so when I was born, the doctor held me up to her and said, see, it's a girl. <laughs> They had to prove it. She was like, look, exactly. this is not look, this is gonna be another boy. <laughs> no, he they had to prove it. And I'm like, I think I understand where some of my trauma may have come from because <laughs> <laughs> doctor, show that baby up there. <laughs> but the fact Ooh. that I was just, you know, the she wanted a girl, she finally got a girl, she was so yeah. happy, and then for things to start start turning the way that they did, and then for her to be able to say that. God, I hand her over to you if that's what you desire right now. Oh my gosh, this mm. breaks my heart when I think about it. But that was her faith. That was her mm. faith and commitment to God that she knew she wasn't in charge of my life. She had birthed me, but beyond that, you know, she was trusting God for, for what was going to happen. And so that was that was the testimony that I grew up with. Talk about a testimony. <laughs> it was pretty. That is beautiful. Like that is so powerful. And yeah. to have your mom be the one walking out that faith walk, like you don't have to go read the Bible. You can just read the book of your mom. Like you can just right. see her and yeah, how yeah. she navigated through life and be like, okay, I just need to have faith like my mama. Right, right, beautiful. exactly. Yeah, and and it was, you know, it definitely wasn't easy growing up and definitely wasn't, you know, it was one of those things we didn't have a dad. He, he and my mom divorced when I was a year and a half old and then he died when I was four. So I never had a father. So my mom was, you know, doing all of this stuff. She was paying bills and making sure the house was fixed right and taking care of the car and all of that. 
But again, it was, um, it was a journey of her showing me that, yep, she, she had to do all that. But on the other hand, she got to do all that because mm-hmm. God gave her the grace and the strength and the wisdom to know how to manage life and how to do those things in a way that was for our benefit, but also for the glory of God. And it was, it was definitely a challenge, but it was also just, as I, as I became an adult, I would stop and look back on what she had done. And I mean, blow me out of the water. I would just be dumbfounded by how in the world did you know how to do that? How in the world did you bring yourself to that or to this situation? And, you know, to some degree, she would, she would honestly say, I don't know. I don't know how I got the strength. I don't know. I just know God told me what to do here. And that, well, that's the answer right there. (laughs) Yeah, that is God. Yeah, God. But the fact that she trusted him and allowed him the, you know, she lived in the freedom of knowing that he was in charge and and leading the way for where her children were going to go. But, you know, even during all of that, I was in uh, high school And actually up until I was in my late 20s, I still didn't know how to manage my diabetes. Doctors were just still not quite sure what they were gonna do with me. And when I was 21, made it to 21, and oftentimes my birthdays were a confusing time because I'd say, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be here. Uh, What do I do about that? I guess you just keep going. And that was literally what I would say to myself, I'm not supposed to be here right now because I'm supposed to be dead, but I'm not. I just keep going. So with that, at 21, I started to lose my sight because my diabetes was so out of control. It wasn't being managed well. And one of the complications of diabetes is you start to lose your sight, your kidney function, and your heart. Those are the three main things that really they get hit hard if your blood sugars Mm. are out of control and mine were. And so now, now I go from, you're going to die young to you're going to go blind young as well. And I'm like, oh, great. So not only am I going to die young, I'm going to go blind in the process of that. I can laugh at it now, but at the time I was like, oh my gosh. But same story, doctor said, oh yeah, you're going to go blind, this disease diabetic retinopathy causes people to go blind. Fortunately, I never went completely blind, but enough severe damage was done from the disease and also from the treatments that they give you to save your vision. It's one of those funny things, which is worse, the treatment or the condition. And in this case, it's both. (laughs) It really Mm -hmm. is both. But um, at that point in time, I just, I was not walking as closely to God as I realized now, of course, that I could have been, but I had an an appointment, basically a meeting with a gentleman who was a pastor. He was a professor. His kids and I had both gone to high school together and he was also going blind from a totally Mm. different reason. And my mom, in her wisdom, made an appointment with me to talk to him. And she said, I think you need to talk to him and just share what's going on in your life, because I was in a state of severe depression, severe Mm. depression, just panic attacks and fear because I'm going blind. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm losing something I have had my entire life. And this is what that man said to me. He said, Annette, you are losing something you have had your entire life and that you had every thought in your mind that you were always going to have. But now it's going away. 
And like the loss of a limb or a loved one, you are mourning the loss of your eyes. And I, that that statement just caused me to what? what? And I thought, he's right. I, I'm. This is depression. This is severe depression. And this is what mourning is like because you can't do anything about it. You cannot change the, the trajectory that's happening right now in your life. And then he said to me, he said, and I got two questions for you. And I know you won't be able to answer them right here and now, but later on you will. He said, you need to ask God two things. Number one, what do you want me to learn from this situation? What do you want me to learn about you, God, or about myself from this situation? And number two, the question is, and who do you want me to be as a result of this, God? Mm. And he goes, that's the more important question. And at the time, I was like, I, I would burst into tears at the, you know, at a, a sideways glance because I was so emotional. I just burst into tears and I'm like, I can't answer those questions. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't expect you to. But now, but now I I look back on that time and I was I was just even today thinking about the idea of having a, a grateful heart and having gratitude, which to me is just so important, so important in your life as a believer. If you are not grateful about every single solitary thing that happens to you, you might want to rethink that idea because being grateful, even for the challenges, even for the, the struggles. And today I look back and I say, I am so glad that God allowed me to go through the, the situations and the complications that I have, because it has made me who he wanted me to be as I'm getting ready to head off to heaven someday. Cause everything <laughs> that happens to us down here is getting us ready for heaven. And I look at this and I say, did I enjoy it? No. Was it fun? Not in the least. <laughs> Was it something I'd wish on anybody else? Absolutely not. But to this day, I am grateful for what God allows me to go through, including losing my sight and just all of the other situations that have happened, because I know that I'm, I am resting comfortably in his hands and I, I trust him for what he's going to do. But that was yeah. at 21, pretty, pretty pivotal in my life. And, and that was, I say that God began to just turn me around at that point, because up until that point, I knew Jesus and I, I believed in God, but I was just living my, you know, day to day, 21 yeah. years life. It's all good. I got a, I got a rosy future in front of me. Everything's good. And then, uh, <laughs> And I went, yeah, that can make you really depend on God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how I try to look at all of the still have those medical complications today and other things. But I try to look at them and say, OK, God, this is another opportunity for me to depend on you. Here we go. So do you what would you say you learned from going through losing your sight? Was it gratitude or was it just to depend on God? What what would you say was the thing that God wanted you to learn from losing your sight? I believe it is the 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 total dependence upon him. I now call it desperate dependence. <laughs> because, mm. because I often feel like many Christians, including myself, we're not desperate enough for God. We don't we don't mm. recognize our sin as being as serious as he wants us to. But also I believe that we're not desperate enough for him because we're independent. We're strong. Oh, yeah. 
we can do this by ourselves. We got this. And, and yeah, and those are all statements that, well, in, in one framework or another, okay. But if you're looking at it as a follower of Jesus, yeah. you're not all good. You don't have this. <laughs> you mm-hmm. cannot make this on your own. You have to be desperately dependent upon Jesus for every single solitary thing in your life, for your finances, for your health, for your relationships, for your career, for anything and everything that happens in our life. I believe that we have to have that desperate dependence upon God. And I think if, if more believers would, would look at in that way, oh my gosh, what we could do in this world. That <laughs> but, is so amazing. That idea that he just said to me, I want you to know that I love you dearly, but you're trying to do this on your own and I need your attention right now. And yes, this is going to hurt. But in the end, I believe you, I know he knew I would be grateful one day. <laughs> and, and in that desperate dependence upon him for that and for everything, it still took me a long time to process through that. And a couple of other crises had to happen. But, you know, every single thing that I, I believe that he calls me to go through is that opportunity to depend on him more, to love him more, and just to 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 basically say, God, I know you're not going to waste this pain. I know you're not mm-hmm. going to, uh, that it's not going to be for no reason whatsoever. You're going to use it. And I look forward to how that's going to turn out. Right now, I ain't happy. Right now, this is causing me pain. Right now, and I feel it's perfectly good for us to verbalize that to God, to say, I am not in my happy place right now. This is this is causing me pain. This is hurting me. There's nothing wrong with telling God how you're feeling, although he already knows it. Just say it to him, but then follow it up with a, but God, I know you're going to use this. And I look forward to how you're going to be glorified through this situation that you're using me to be a part of. Yes, I love that. That is so beautiful. I love your take on it and just like, your zeal for life, your like, I don't know, just from when I met you, you just had like, so there's just so much purpose and joy that you just give off. I mean, there's some people where it's just like, I look forward to talking to you, Annette, because it was just like, oh, I know this is going to be a great conversation. Annette just is filled with joy and love. Like, you know, your love comes through your words. And um, I just, I really do see like, that that's only the light of Jesus. Like, you know, our light is supposed, his light's supposed to shine through us. And I can definitely tell you that Jesus light shines through you greatly. And I want to know the other answer to the second question he asked you, which was, who is it that God wanted you to be? Oh, oh, I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it that God wanted me to be? Well, number one, you kind of just said it, (laughs) a person of joy and enthusiasm. Uh, At that point, you're going to laugh when you hear this too. Uh, But at that point, I was an incredibly shy, withdrawn, very timid person. What? Yeah, I know. If you if you talk to my my brother, he would say, "Yep, that's how she was." All right, I was incredibly withdrawn and shy because I had spent most of the time in the hospital and near death. That does something to you. Yeah, that there is no joke about that. And so I was very fearful about everything because I was a you know I was afraid that in every step, well, yeah, but I might die here. Well, you take mm. off this or do this. Oh, yeah, but I I might die here. 
I mean, those, those words just kept coming back to me all the time. And it caused, I mean, when you're, when you're in the hospital, I think, I know they do it differently now, but you're a child in the hospital for three, four, five days at a time. So your mom can only come before she goes to work. And when she comes home at the end of the day, you're not with your friends, you're not at school. You're sometimes isolated because they, they're, you know, you may have an infection that they don't want the other kids to get to. All the people that you see in the caregivers are nurses and doctors and white coats and sterile. That does something to you. It really does. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily dwell on that, but I say that caused me to be very, very insecure, very, very timid and withdrawn. And by the time I reached 21, I was still dealing with that. But I believe that even in this situation, the strength and courage that God gave me through that time is where he literally kind of brought me out of my shell, so I say. Mm -hmm. And I became much more because of my dependence on him, much more confident, much more assured of myself, much more, which you would think you're going blind. That should cause you to be more fearful. And yes, for a time it did. But as I went through that, and again, just trusting on God, trusting in him to help me through this, I became someone and, and the, the real me began to come out. Sometimes I think people were, were not happy about the real me. But <laughs> <laughs> out, out she came and I discovered that I had a voice and I discovered that I oftentimes would question why people were doing what they were doing namely mm -hmm. people in authority like professors or like, <laughs> um, yeah and and I would I would ask questions not in the way of trying to to incite conflict but simply needing to understand more what was going on here what happened here I one time had a, a class that it ended in a really odd and weird way. And we were allowed to give ourselves a, our own grade, which I thought, mm, I'm not sure about that. And I remember as we were walking past a piece of paper where we had our name and we were supposed to write the grade we thought we deserved. And I was watching these guys, I will say that, who were saying five minutes earlier, did you study for the test? No, I didn't study for the test. I, I didn't study for much of anything we did in this class. And I watched them walk by and give themselves an A plus. Mm. And I'm like, okay. So I went to the professor after the class was over. And I said, would you please explain to me what we were trying to do there? What was going on? What was happening? And I did not do well um, up until that point on in any of the classes. It was really hard because that's the time I was going blind as well. And I struggled through all of the reading and all of the testing. And I said to him at this um, conversation, I said, I watch people who I verbally heard say, I didn't study for anything. And I studied my butt off and they gave themselves A, but I had ended up on, at least to that point, I had like a, I think a, a B minus. Now understand, I liked I liked A's and B's, but a B minus, come on. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Hey. I was not happy. And I had worked my butt off. And I just I said, I don't think how you did this was fair. I don't think it was, I don't think as a teacher it was responsible on your part. Mm. I let him, and then I realized after I said it, I went, oh, wait a minute, he hasn't given the final grade yet. Maybe I should have waited until that came out. <laughs> but lo and behold, 
he gave me an A minus in the class. And he, I went to him afterwards and I said, thank you. And he goes, you know, you were the only one who came to me and talked to me about what I had done. And he said, the fact that you were bold enough to come and confront me. And he said, I, I made a mistake in what I did. I wasn't prepared to give the final and it was my fault. And that's why we did, I did what I did. But he said, you were the only one who called me on it. And I was like, Note to self, that's good, except remember timing is everything. <laughs> it but is. And you should have gave yourself an A plus. <laughs> I, I didn't give myself an A plus, but he gave me an A minus. And I'm like, you know what? And that's what I discovered. I thought, I can talk. I do have a voice. I can say to people, why do you do that? And isn't there a better way? That was always my question. Isn't there a better way to do this? That, that's how God wired me. That's how he put me together. So I would come into any kind of situation. And I started working out of church as a children's pastor um, right after graduation. And I was looking at everything that was happening. And that was what was going through my mind. I don't think this is the best way to do this. I think there's a better way to do this. But what I discovered in the years since is that if you say that to people, it's, they hear it one of two different ways. If you say, is there a better way to do this? They either hear you're criticizing what I'm doing, you're judging me, and I don't want to hear anything you have to say, mm. or they're hearing it in the way that it's intended. You know, there probably is a better way. I just haven't figured it out. Would you like to talk, you know, could we talk about maybe what might be a better way? Once I get that open door, boom, I run through it. Once I hear, no, this is how we've always done it. They're, they're, this is just the way it is and you're being too critical. Well, I'm not gonna waste my time there because obviously they're not willing to listen to that. Now. But the, the who I became today from that time up until now is in the introduction, you said a, a health and wellness advocate. And that is part of my, uh, character identity is that I am an advocate. I am an advocate for people in their health and in their wellness because I began to turn my health around. Finally, finally, I met a doctor who it gave me instruction, information. He told me how to handle different situations. And I began to see my diabetes just make a sharp, sharp turn to where I wasn't, he actually said, I think we can address that, that death sentence that's been put on you and we can make it a whole lot longer than it was given to you before. And we did together, we worked on that. And it was his teaching and guiding me and directing me that as I would meet other people who either had diabetes or other health conditions, I, I would do the same thing. I'd say, well, isn't there a better way to handle that? <laughs> or mm. isn't there, isn't there, have you discovered what it is you can do to make that change? And so I realized that I was an advocate for looking at things and analyzing them and evaluating them and saying, I think there's a better way. And yes, change is hard for everyone, but we're always in constant change every single day of our lives, whether we know it or not, and whether we like it or not. And the idea is, how are you going to handle that change? How are you going to deal with that change? If it's good change, yes. If it's bad change, you may need to stand your ground and say, nope, that's, that's not working for me. But I like to come alongside and say to people, there is another way. There is a better way for you to manage your health and your wellness. But then I also am an advocate when it comes to spiritual maturity, 
because I think it's so important having walked this many years with Jesus that we can be at any point in time in life, no matter how old we are and say, okay, I'm good. I don't really need to grow any further along. And, you know, I'm, I'm all right. I don't, I don't want to push myself any further and why that happens it is every person's story. I mean, why you get to that point in life is your story of why that happens. But I want to be able to come alongside and say, I understand that you may feel comfortable right now in your walk with Jesus, but I'm here to tell you <laughs> that your comfort is not what it's all about. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> yeah. And so I want to help other people to understand that, uh, you know, number one, I believe that the challenges that we face in life, whether they, again, be financial or health, I've said this already, but all of those challenges that happen to us, they're happening for a reason because God's wanting our attention and he wants us to depend on him more and to grow in him. So if I'm helping you with your health and wellness, I'm going to bring in that aspect of my story and how God allowed me to understand that I needed to be responsible for my health. No one else was responsible but me. Same yeah. principle applies if I can come alongside a believer and say, you are responsible for the relationship that you have with Jesus, but he calls us into community to move us forward through the work of the Holy Spirit to make that happen. Same yeah. idea with your health and wellness. You're not alone. You are responsible, but you are not alone in doing that. And so again, back to that question, who has he called me to be? He's called me to be someone who is going to speak up, speak to health and wellness issues, but also to speak to the idea of spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, and how we can, how I can help in that process, either in my church, in a community Bible study that I'm a part of, how can I do that and make what God has allowed me to go through be a part of what continues to move me forward to bring him honor and glory in the process? You know what I get from everything you're saying, which is just so beautiful. It's like also from your journey, your faith walk, right? Just looking at the book of Annette right now and what God has brought you through. You started off with at two being diagnosed after being like your mom's miracle baby, right? Because she finally got her girl <laughs> after pushing out five kids. And back then, I don't know. I don't think they put her to sleep. Like having to push out five of you <laughs> to finally get her girl and say, all right, we're going to shut up shop. And, um, and then to also, you know, her and your dad didn't work out. So now she's a single mom of five during a time where... It, it was a lot different. It was, yeah. women didn't even have nearly as many like rights and um, authority as we have now, couldn't do the same jobs that we can do now. Um, right. so the opportunities were not there. It's just so, um, it, it really touches me because it's like, this is really like a true story of like a very dark time. Mm -hmm. It's how it could have been viewed, a very dark time. And you said about the depression and then losing your sight. It's just like, it, the story just kept getting worse. She's like, you know, well, God, you take this baby if you have to, or heal her, like do something. And, you know, she has such an amazing faith, but then you didn't lose your vision completely. You can still see some, and that's, that's beauty, right? There's beauty in that. There's, it, it's amazing because it's decades later after that, not to age you, but you know, it's decades after when you started losing your vision and you still have some sight. Yeah. Um, that's a, there's a blessing in that. There's, yeah. you know, we can, we can say, oh, she went legally blind, but no, God, God kept some of her sight 
that that's a blessing. And then how God kept you and um, just, you know, I guess to give a little bit of a spoiler, how you said that when it came to your health, when they did your numbers and stuff nowadays, it's like that of a normal person versus someone with diabetes because it's managed so well. Right. And, you know, but this was also the little girl that they used to say, she's going to die in her youth. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's just like the look at the parallels to see how great of a blessing God has been over your life, how he's kept you, how he kept your mom. Um, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It, it's really a touching story. And I think it's great for us to still see that God is still in the miracle working business. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Like doctors don't have the final say. God has the final say. God can be our yeah. physician, our surgeon, our doctor. He will send us a means. He will send us a person that will help us. He will yeah. send the right people in our life to help us to, um, for you, it was managed diabetes. Um, but also I want to talk about a time that you told me about with your mom so being a single mom of five um you said sometimes it would be rough and you guys wouldn't have enough food and what would your mom do I'm gonna let you take it away because you tell them much <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well um my mom had told me this story she was she was working uh but and and you know again like you were saying she didn't have she had a high school education that was it and so she couldn't get obviously a job that paid a lot and she would get to the a time of the month where she would say, I don't have enough money for rent or for groceries. I can't do both. So, you know, you have to pick. Sadly, many, many women are still in that place today. Many single moms are still in that place today. And um, but at the time she would say, all right, God, I'm going to, you know, pick to to pay the rent. So at least we have a roof over our house and I, you know, I have room for the for the kids uh, to live. And then the next day, an envelope, a blank envelope would be under the, the doormat at the front door and she'd pick it up and she'd look and there was money, the, the money, I mean, the, almost the exact amount that she needed to go buy groceries that day or the other way around where she would run, you know, not have money for rent. She needed this much more and that much money. And she said that happened repeatedly. She never knew who it came from. She wasn't the type of woman who was a whiner or complainer. So she wasn't telling anybody that this was happening. And so the fact that she wasn't telling other people or asking to borrow money, which she would have, I think if she'd gotten to the point where she knew that was what God wanted her to do. But I think it was, again, just that total dependence to say, God, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. You have to take this and you have to provide for, for my kids and I. That money would end up and there we would go. And then the amazing, I mean, even beyond that, that's truly an amazing thing. But the other thing is that my mom went from an entry level social worker because her degree was only high school and she had an entry level social worker and ended up being the manager of an, a Medicaid uh, department in the area where we live. She was a manager over people who had degrees. <laughs> and, and she would oftentimes say, uh, you know, it kind of surprises me. And I go, does it really mom? Does it really? <laughs> and she'd say, exactly. well, you know, sometimes they talk about how, you know, oh, in college we did this or in college because I have no reference for what they're talking about. And I go, yeah, but mom, you went to the college of hard knocks. So you yes. got 
way over them. And she'd say, yeah, I guess that's true because she knew what she had. She knew the job. She had started at the very bottom and she had worked her way up. She was a diligent, diligent worker. She was no slacker. She was told, you know, this is what you need to do. She'd do it. And they saw that. They saw how committed she was to her work and how how well she did her job. And so she ended up with, you know, people in her under her supervision who were college graduates younger than she was. But that was OK. And that was how God provided for us. Once she kind of hit that point where she was making a little bit better money, you know, it became a little less at the end of each month because we had a little bit more of the sustainable income that was was very very helpful but again that story of her not knowing how she was she didn't have the money it did not it was not there in her bank account but god provided in that way that is so beautiful it is it is and i often look at the the story of the uh, the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000 that, that Jesus does in, in the Gospels, where what did they start with? Five loaves of bed, bread, tiny, tiny little loaves of bread, <laughs> two fish, two little sardines. And God takes those, Jesus takes those, and he feeds over, estimates are, eight to 10,000 people. And, yeah. and that's the beauty of how, I think as believers, we need to not be looking at what we do don't have but mm. look at what we do have in the hands of god because exactly. always make more if we are obedient and if we're trusting him to do that but i know how easy it is to just go oh i don't have this and i don't have enough for this and, and you know get all panicky but i think he calls us to say don't stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what i'm what i'm going to do with what you do have Exactly. Like that. Wow. You really hit something there because when it comes to um, looking at what you don't have, like that is really easy to get into that space. Yeah. Um, but one thing that came to mind while you're talking was favor ain't fair. So God's favor is not fair. Um, it's not about, you know, like when it comes to God, like, you know, the fact that your mother was promoted and a manager, you know, those college graduates may have felt like it wasn't fair. Favor ain't fair. She had God's favor over her life. Right. right. But then also when you're saying, don't look at what you don't have, look at what you do have and look whose hands it, in, it, yeah. it is in. because God is a multiplier. Yes. Like Jesus is in the multiplying business and we see it time after time again in Bible study stories. Yeah. Even the woman that was down to her last and yes. was like, you know, um, I was just about to make this last meal for me and my son and die. Right, right. And Elijah came and, yeah. you know, you know, spoiler alert, she didn't die. They didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> they had food to last. And yes. Um, the woman that felt like she had to send her children into slavery because of the debt. And instead he said, you know, you have oil, go ask everyone to borrow um, jars and right. take all those jars and to only have that little bit of oil. And instead God made it run over and fill all of those jars yes. and so all the debt was paid. Yeah. Um, I mean, like God multiplies. So it's not about what you don't have. And it's not even about what you do have. It's about whose hands is it in? Exactly. Like, you know, if you only have $5 in your hand, you can't do nothing with it. 
But if it's in Jesus' hands, if you're saying, hey, God, I relinquish it all to you, I'm trusting you with this, there's a completely different outcome that we can expect. Exactly. And, and I mean, that even brings to mind something else that um, because of my, my vision loss, I'm on disability. And when I first uh, was able to find an apartment where I live now on what I had, I looked at I looked at how much I was getting and I looked at my bills and I went, huh not quite sure how that's going to play out. <laughs> and I, I don't believe in being stupid or careless about just saying, sure, I'm going to take that apartment. But along the way, God provided people who were willing to help me to cover some of my you know, bills so that I, it wouldn't end up me having to default on anything. But then I realized after I'd gotten my apartment and was getting my bills paid, I stopped and I went, oh, wait a minute. I need to make sure that I'm tithing. And I'm not right now. And I'm looking at my account and I'm going, oh God, I don't know how to do this. I'm, I'm not sure what I need to do here. And it was one of those times again, where I just said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it because you've called me to do it. And I went ahead and I, I signed up for it to be an automatic payment to my church because I I thought if I have to write a check out every month or whatever, I'm going to get in my way and I'm going to say, oh, you don't have enough money this month. Are you sure you want to make it for that much? And mm -hmm. I said, the fact that I don't write it out myself is actually a blessing because I'm trusting God that what's in my account is that's going to be there to give that that tithing to him. And I get a reminder every month that it's gone out. And when I see that, I go, thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to have that money. <laughs> but yeah, I know myself well enough that I could talk myself out of doing that. But but tithing has become something that I think is so important, no matter what little you have. I think that God calls, like you say, he calls us to be generous, no matter what the amount is, because it's not the amount, it's mm -hmm. the heart that we're giving. Yes. He's calling our heart to be generous with others because we do have, I do have more than a lot of other people do. I realize that it ain't much in the grand scheme of things, but it's a lot more than other people have, but it's not about comparing what I have or what I don't have to other people. It is about my heart before God. Am I willing to say, God, I trust you so much with my finances, with my, my very measly income right now that I am saying, I'm giving this back to your church. I'm giving this back to you in a, in a grateful, thankful act of service and submission to you and your will in my life. And so every time we have a, a church budget meeting and, and the you know, they have to increase the budget just because of the cost of living things. And people are like, well, I don't know if we want to really be. And I, I want to stand up and excuse me, <laughs> I'm on an incredibly limited budget. <laughs> you don't know how many things I give up because I cannot afford it. And I don't consider them giving up. I just say, that isn't what God wants me to have right now. Okay, moving on. But I, I get a little annoyed with people who are like, well, I don't know that, you know, we should be giving the church this much money. And I'm like, bah, 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 bah. no, no. <laughs> That's where I become an advocate for people. Again, not focusing on what they don't have, but focusing on what they do have in the hands of God. So yes. there's my soapbox. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, that is just, it's so beautiful. And I have definitely learned about the power of tithing. And that's the one thing that God says, test me on this, 
right? He says, he does. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I haven't heard one person say, Hey, because I was tithing, I couldn't pay my bills. Yeah. Because I was tithing, I wasn't able to, you know, fill in the blank. Right. And, right. Um, you know, the devil wants us to believe that when we tithe, oh, now we're not going to have enough or that money could have been better spent on fill in the blank. Like, you know, um, I definitely dealt with that when I first started tithing again um, on my faith journey years uh -huh. ago. And so I used to really, I would say, oh, I gave how much to God this year? Or to the church this year, they didn't need that money. I could have used that money to do X, Y, Z, you know, because I would see it. It was thousands of dollars. And I was just like, oh, my God. But then now it's like, oh, my God, I had that much to give God. Yeah. And like I look at now when it comes to how much do I have to give as a tithe or whatever. I was like, oh, that's not much in comparison to what I get to keep in comparison to what God has allowed me to receive. Right. Um. And just to be able to say that, you know, God has blessed me to have times where I've had to write a five-figure time check. And I was like, "Woo!" I said, but you know what? I'm going to do it because I said, God, I want you to be able to give me some more of these six-figure checks. <laughs> write another five-figure check so I can start writing a six-figure time check, you know? Um, <laughs> I want to get there one day. So it's just like, you know what? Ooh, ouch, that hurts. This could have been X, Y, Z. But in, I know that in God's hand, it's going to multiply. And off of tithing alone, God says that he's going to bless us exceedingly abundantly and beyond. Right, right. And so um, that's- And I, I'm, I'm also just, I mean, we may not agree on this because I know different, different opinions, but I also believe that when he, he makes that, that promise to us that you will be blessed, it isn't always financial blessing. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. It's not. Yeah. Because I'm I think a lot of people think that. I think a lot of people think that. Oh well, if I give more to God, He's going to give me more money. It's like mm, I'm thinking you're reading that wrong, because the <laughs> blessing comes from from the, the fruits of the spirit. The yes. Spirit. Those yeah. are. Yes. They are priceless. Absolutely. You know, when it comes to it, like because I'm gonna lie, I used to think that it was monetarily, and I'm like, all right, ten yeah. one hundred fold. I gave two thousand. Where's my two hundred thousand dollars tomorrow, <laughs> Jesus? I'm looking for, like yeah. you know. And um, but instead, I've known that in certain situations where, um, like when I had a miscarriage and lost my baby, mm. um, or it was like it was an ectopic pregnancy, like that was extremely depressing and hard to go through to lose a child that I thought was going to be my promised child. Yeah. But I didn't feel the weight of that pain because mm -hmm. God gave me peace. Right. right. God gave me peace. So it's just like, you know, sometimes we're looking for the monetary benefit. Um, but I've, I've gone back and looked at like um, some of the things I've written down and prayed to God for. And now the money parts I have not seen yet. Because <laughs> I'm asking God for like millions. So, you know, that <laughs> I have not seen yet. But I have my healthy baby boy and like he just turned one and now he's walking. I have peace <laughs> and happiness and joy where others would think I shouldn't like, you know, yeah, um, yeah. so, you know, we need to look at it definitely much more than monetary. That's why also success for me is not just monetary right. because it doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're depressed and suicidal. Exactly. If you're living a miserable life, but you got lots of money, so what? I mean, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it, and that's just something, I mean, I did have
have to learn that. But I also believe that, yes, those blessings come from like what we've been talking about, the joy and the enthusiasm for God and for our relationship and that ability to become more intimately closer to him. You know, that 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 time that we can spend with him, that's a blessing. And, you know, I'm looking at where I am in my my business right now, and I still feel like I'm kind of just sort of getting started. I haven't really hit my stride. But I look at it and I say, but what is my stride, God? What is it that I, that success that I'm looking for? Because everybody defines success in their own way. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I was with a, another coach who was, he was the one who, who helped me to process through the idea of finding my character identity. And he said to me, if you were never paid a penny for going in front of uh, audiences to do a presentation about the health and wellness that you advocate for, or you never had, or you never got paid for coaching anyone else, would you still do it? And he just finished the question. I went, of course I would. And it mm -hmm. surprised me because I went, oh, I answered that rather quickly, didn't I? <laughs> and mm -hmm. I thought, I, that's how I, how strongly I feel about what God is calling me to do. Now, it would be nice to get paid, let, yeah. me, let me say that, but that's not the reason I'm doing it. And I, I but so sometimes I have to be kind of careful with things because I, I'm like, why do I want to do this? Oh, I got to go do this. I got to go do this. Why do I want to go do that? Am I thinking it's because I'm going to make money at doing that? Or is it because this is where I can serve other people? And so I want to make sure that I'm keeping it in the right category, that I can serve other people is what I really want to do. But if I can get paid at doing it, I'd rather, I prefer that. And that's where I want to go before God with my heart and say, I want to do this because you've called me, but I don't want to do it because I'm expecting, you know, a million dollars next week. Not that that's going to happen anytime soon. But <laughs> <laughs> soon, notice I said soon. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, that, that it, it all comes down to, again, I think the heart before God, everything comes back down to the heart before God. How are we giving? How are we living? How are we, how are we presenting ourselves to the rest of the world? What do they see? What do they walk away with when they're done with a conversation with us? I go out for a walk almost every day and I was standing there talking to a couple today and like five other people pass going in different ways. And they're all people that I don't know their names, but we meet on the trail often. And we're all like, hi, how are you? <laughs> and I'm like, it's like we know each other, which we do on a, on a certain level. But my, my joy, my thought, my realization is I'm meeting total strangers on this trail that I walk. I want them, if we have a brief conversation, to walk away thinking, my goodness, but she's a, a joyful, cheery person. That's what I want them to think, because if they see me as grumpy and angry and miserable, that mm -hmm. doesn't honor God in one in any way. And it certainly doesn't encourage or support them, which is what I want to do, even in the simplest act of being on a walk and just saying hi to someone and say, hey, have a great day. I hope you have a, you know, a great rest of the walk. And so that's even in that small little way. How can I please God? How can I honor him? How can my heart be right before him in this way? I love that. I love that. And you have a spirit that I don't see often that you know <laughs> we need to see more of. 
we need to see more of it in the world, especially in the church as well, because when you have a heart for Jesus and it just kind of is worn on your sleeve like that, mm-hmm. I think that's what makes people like, oh, I want some of whatever she got, <laughs> like, you know, uh, she is just so happy. Like, I want some of that. And um, it just reminds me of like my grandmother's spirit. Uh, she was someone that you just saw God's light shining through her with her smile. It brought you joy, made your heart smile. And like, that's, that's just what you give off. It's just like your, your joy, your zeal for life. It just, it makes my heart smile. It makes me happy. Like I enjoy speaking to you, <laughs> talking to you because it's just like, oh, like, you know, I, you know, it's really just doing something for me just to talk to you. So, you know, like, <laughs> you know like, <laughs> like, it's just. He's selfish. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, I really love, I love it. I love your zeal. I love you walking out your faith. And it's just like, like you said, you could be looking at it like really different. Oh, well, you know, diabetes or um, lack of vision, or we could see like where, oh, well, what do you not have? And you could be down and out and depressed and still feeling like you used to feel at 21 when you were first losing your vision. You could have kept that anger. You could have kept on being angry and mad and hating the world. But like, instead, like, look at God. Look at what he's doing, what he has done and how happy you are. And just like the blessing of year after year, they gave you a destiny, but you- Uh, I surpassed it. Yeah. (laughs) It, and that is just so beautiful. So I, I love talking to you, Annette. I'm going to go ahead and switch notes because I can talk to you all day. Because like I said, <laughs> focus for me. Like, I love talking to you. Um, but I enjoy sharing. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. It's just, it's an honor. But um, we're going to transition into our next part where we actually get to talk a little bit about finances. And so um, I always ask each guest to ask me one question that I can help with on finances. So uh, you had gave me the unknown of keeping track of income, making sure I can maintain my financial goals. And so um, tell me a little bit more about what you mean by the unknown of keeping track of income. Well, almost everything that I do, because it, it's it's just a funny thing. When I was working at churches, I had a steady, regular income. Mm-hmm. I had bills to pay. I knew how to live within my budget, and I did that. And I went for a number of years where I was not, I mean, I wasn't on disability yet. I was living off of my savings. Boy, that's a fun place to Ooh. walk through. Yeah, very hard. And so I'm at a point now where I've got disability and I, I know that I can make a certain amount over, or, or I can make a certain amount before disability will say, okay, you're good to go. We're going to take that away from you. And because, you know, once you get into a certain point, and I'm perfectly understandable and accepting of that. I have it because I haven't been able to work a normal job, and this is helping me to survive I want to be able to replace that disability, but then to be able to, and I think the problem that I'm, I'm dealing with, and it's totally a mental thing is because as a coach and a speaker, you do not have regular income. Mm -mm. And there's where I go, (laughs) (laughs) that's something that I'm not really sure I'm comfortable with yet because your income fluctuates. And, and I'm like, ah, and so just being able to figure out as I start to make more money as a coach and as a speaker, getting that in there, 
figuring out then how do I, how can I make it so that I'm not so panicky about not having consistent income? And I don't know if that's a question you could even answer, but I, I look ahead and I go, I don't know that I know how to do that. I'm not sure I know I have the mental skill set to be able to forecast that whole idea so that I don't put myself in trouble. So when you do it that way, you have to budget differently. And so it's not going to be monthly income. I'm getting paid $1,500 every 1st and 15th or every 1st I get a $3,000 check or however, you know, it may be. Instead, you have to put set aside a lot for a rainy day because there's going to be a lot of rainy days as entrepreneurs, as we know. And so you can have a $50,000 a month and then a $0 month or negative month because you still have expenses to cover. Um, One of the things to think about first is that when it comes to business income, it shouldn't go straight into your personal account. So this is not money you're necessarily receiving right away, right? Because while it's in the business account, you have business expenses that can lower that, which changes the amount that you're actually getting out of it before it takes you off of disability. So even if you make $10,000, if you have $9,000 of expenses, you're only seeing a net profit of 1,000. And then you could say, oh, well, there is a portion for taxes. So- I, that the business had to pay. So now I only got an extra 400 bucks or 600 bucks or whatever the case may be. So there's ways to diminish that before you have to say, oh, I'm getting off of my safety net of disability. Legally, yeah. Um, yeah. legal ways to you know <laughs> navigate that. Um, and then the next thing is to think about really having a strong amount of savings where maybe you say that I want to have a year's worth of expenses saved up. And that's maybe my first financial goal. And so what you can do is when it comes to knowing how much money you make and things like that, um, that gets into a whole like business coaching side. I'm thinking about marketing funnels and ways that you can turn it on or turn it off so that you can consistently know how many clients at least you're going to get or how many calls you'll get and your closing ratios. And that's a whole, you know, yeah. So there's a lot I could go down that rabbit hole, but this just on the finance piece of it, you know, once you've started figuring out the business side of it, how you're getting your money, how you're getting your gigs, whether it's as a speaker, um, being able to get enough of them so that you can sustain yourself, but also as a coach, you know, getting enough clients to sustain yourself, knowing your numbers there that you're trying to achieve each and every month is going to be important. Um, but also giving yourself a safety net because you may have a month where you start killing it and start getting 20 clients and you're like, Oh my God, I got more people than I can handle. I don't know what to do. And then you're going to have times where it's like, God, it's crickets out here. What's going on? Did I lose it? Am I doing something wrong? Are you punishing me? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just came off disability. What's going on here? So I think the important thing is to one say, let me make sure I have a very strong cushion before I start saying how much I can spend this money. Because usually when people get a windfall of cash, they want to treat their self. They want to give oh, yeah. them everything that they've been deprived of. And I say, stop, pay your future self first. Right. And right. do that by making sure we have a much heftier um, emergency fund than maybe those that have a nine to five because they feel right. like they have predictable income, um, which is not so predictable if they can fire you tomorrow and you lose your one and only source of income, right? True. But, um. 
nonetheless, we don't have that safety net yeah. um, when it comes to that. And so instead you need to say, let me have a year's worth of expenses maybe set aside so that if I have a couple of months where I have to live off of savings, I will be perfectly fine. I will not stress. I will not give that desperation to my clients as if they yeah. need to pay my bills today. Right. Um, and I can still sell from a place of integrity because yeah. I'm not looking for them to pay my bills. I'm looking to serve them and just be of great right. help. And right. so I think that's important so that we can keep our heart posture right is to plan for the rainy days instead of just saying, I got money. Let's go spend it all. Like I have you <laughs> a shopping spree. Like, you know, well, I'm going to every spot every day or you know, whatever it is that you may have is your thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like pay yourself first by putting that in the savings and then afterwards make sure all bills are paid and right. still have still have savings that you accumulate don't say oh I'm now that I have a year's worth of savings I'm never going to save again no you oh, can no. save for right. book expenses and purchases that you want to make in the future other goals that you have um make it a habit to save um, get in that habit of it so that you know what to do with it and also enjoy yourself. Give yourself a percentage to enjoy. Give yourself a percentage to throw away, so to speak, you know, like whatever on whatever makes you truly happy. Right. So, right. Um, I think that's very important, too. So if we give ourselves a little bit like of space to act a little reckless, you know, and maybe we act reckless with 5% of what came yeah. in, you know, um, something that's not going to kill us. But it's just like, hey, look, I got right. Spend some money however I saw fit and that made me happy. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. That that just kind of puts takes a little pressure off of me as you as you were talking. I'm like, okay, I don't need to stress about this. <laughs> She's making good sense here. And I like that. I understood what you were saying too. <laughs> I've talked with many financial people who after they're done, I'm like, I have no idea what they just said. But <laughs> you 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 spoke my language. So I appreciate that tremendously. So yeah, that makes sense too. I mean, actually what you've talked about, I have in my mind said, I think this is what I need to do. I think this mm -hmm. is what but now you just confirmed that. So awesome. Awesome. I'm happy to help. I know there are, there's a lot of people that make a lot of money off of trying to keep finances complicated. And because that means that you need them. Right. And so um I just feel like that's just icky. Um, that's yeah. just not the way to do things. Yeah. I know that my clients will not always need me. <laughs> I know that it's like, you know, I'm 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 in a business where I will have to constantly try and find new clients because yeah. I really want my clients to walk away and they really know how to handle their finances so well. They're like, hey, I don't need Brie anymore. Maybe I oh. want to check in to see how our kids are doing, but yeah. um, I, I don't mean, that's actually a great it's almost like you're being a, a really good responsible parent because you're teaching them how to how to do things on their own and then saying, come visit, but go away now. <laughs> and it's not in that way, but you're like, I you don't need me anymore because I've taught you what you needed. And you've given them hopefully a sense of confidence and of assurance in themselves and what you have taught them. I mean, that's a gift, girl. That is a huge <laughs> gift that you are giving them. So yeah, you are going to need to keep having clients come <laughs> God will provide. God will provide. So. Exactly. He will. He will. And I just, I just give it all to God. I trust in him. So yeah. uh, I'm happy I can help in that way. But thank you so much for coming here, Annette, because your story is so powerful. Your mom's story is powerful. Even just yeah. the pieces of it. I've gotten to know about her. Yeah. Um, 
that is just so beautiful and I mean you are just a blessing I just have to tell you thank like, you and it's just <laughs> such fun to talk to you I remember our first meeting I'm like oh my gosh she's one of my people she, <laughs> she loves the Lord and she knows how to, I mean she's just responsible and reliable and you know, I just like you again you spoke my language and I thought oh this is wonderful I love talking to her some more so <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Annette. Um, oh, also to everyone, this episode is sponsored by the Financial Freedom Plan, where I can help you get to know more about your money and your finances. You create a custom financial plan that actually works for you. I don't give you a cookie cutter model that worked for me or worked for previous clients only. Um, I help you to create a custom plan that actually suits your needs and what you're looking for so that you can reach your dream goals and live out your dream life daily. If you want to find out more, go to bdsmithfinancial.com slash work with me or bdsmithfinancial.com. Click one of the mini schedule call buttons up there and you will be able to get a free financial breakthrough call so that you will be on your way to living your perfect day daily. All right. Well, do it, people do it. Do it. Contact <laughs> her. I'm telling you, it's worth your time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Annette. I love it. Uh, love you guys. And we will talk again next week uh, with a new guest, or maybe I'll do one by myself. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Bye.